This is the Game Time Guru Podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everyone? Welcome out to the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. This podcast is being presented by 208 Printing. Make sure to check out 208 Printing. If you need anything done, whether that's hats, merchandise, whatever, anything printed, they can get it taken care of for you. Just go to madeby208.com. Check them out. They are the presenting sponsor of the podcast. Now, guys, on the show in the history, we've had a couple of different uh, interviews with individuals in the rugby realm, right? We had a coach on the show. We've had two rugby players, one of which plays in the MLR. And every single time we bring them on, we learn something new. And today, it's going to be an amazing interview with someone who played at the highest level in the rugby world. His name's John Vandergeesen, and he's joining us today on the Game Time Guru. John, thanks so much for joining the show. Shane, real pleasure to be here, man. Looking forward to it. I'm excited to have you, man. This is um, it's a really cool opportunity to speak to people like yourself who have experienced a lot in the sports world and have been able to like use those lessons and transfer those into their regular lives. Now, John, tell us a little bit about you as, as an individual, where you grew up, what your background was, just like what, what town did you grow up in and, and what state and kind of what was your, uh, I guess, what was your upbringing? Like, were you into sports a lot when you were younger? <laughs> yeah, great question. So I'm a 208 kid, uh, Idaho, uh, born and raised, small, small uh, Southern Idaho town called Jerome. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, it's probably 6,000 people. Uh, and so, you know, had that rural Idaho upbringing, just getting outdoors, uh, a lot of agriculture, you know, just a wholesome upbringing, really awesome times. Uh, and yeah, I would not replace that for anything. Went to the University of Idaho. And, uh, you know, I, I was a small kid before that, believe it or not. I'm now, you know, I'm, you know, when I was playing, I was 6'6", 265. Goodness gracious. So, uh, but my first driver's license says 5'7", 125. Ooh, when did you hit the growth spurt? How, what age uh, were you? Oh, I was, uh, I probably had uh, three more inches to go in college and, and also gained you know, I was, I was pretty, you know, Reggie Miller for the sports fans. Like I was, I was kind of Reggie Miller status there for a second. I was, wow. I was, you know, maybe 180, something like that. And, and then just really figured out the diet and, and figured out, you know, how to train my body specifically. And, and then was able to continually make gains for uh, well into, you know, my twenties. And so that's how that went. But yeah, didn't uh, played sports in high school, had, had fun, but because of that growth spurt that started, uh, ruled me out of everything, uh, sophomore, junior, and then was able to just play basketball for one year as a senior. And funny enough, uh, I actually just saw one of my high school coaches and uh, he just kind of was uh, deer in the headlights because he, he learned what I had accomplished after high school. And, and it was kind of a mystery to him because he wouldn't have picked it. I don't think a lot of people would have picked you know, me uh, ending up being a professional athlete. But uh, anyway, man, uh, it was good to be small for a long time because I kind of had that small guy attitude uh, and tenacity that I, that I appreciate in, in the smaller guys. Uh, and then once I got bigger, uh, you know, just 
kind of had to take a long time to grow into my body and to figure out how to actually use this athleticism and develop it and, and whatnot. So went to University of Idaho, like I said, and I, I didn't do anything that first year as a freshman uh, as athletically, and it kind of started to get stir crazy. And, and my buddy, shout out to Brian Murphy in Anchorage, Alaska, at the fire department, he said, you should come play rugby. And I said, what's that? I'd never <laughs> heard the word rugby. Uh, and so literally uh, that, that September uh, went two trainings, Tuesday, Thursday, and then played that weekend at a, a tournament. So I got a lot of game time exposure. I did everything wrong, made all the mistakes, uh, you know, just <laughs> penalty after penalty kind of thing. But I loved it. And I walked off the field and a gentleman came up to me. I'd never met him before. And he said, hey, don't let anybody tell you that you're too new or that you're, you're too thin right now. You know, you've got something and, you know, you can go far. And I was like, oh, that was kind of a weird comment. But OK, man, you know, I was just in the moment playing, playing a, a, a game I knew nothing about which uh, is funny enough because he's one of the biggest mentors in my life and a huge motivator as to why I was able to accomplish today. And I'm still in touch with that, that person. Uh, and I, I appreciate him greatly. So I went back to a computer lab back when we had those and I did some research on what rugby was. And I found out that uh, in 2003, there was gonna be a rugby world cup, just like uh, the soccer world cup and the Olympics it's every four years. And that was gonna be in Australia. So, I withdrew from the University of Idaho and bought a one-way ticket to Australia and, and moved there. And I showed up to the University of Queensland uh, rugby club, the Red Heavies. And it was funny too, because guys that still know me that are actually Australians, they're like, dude, you showed up with basketball shorts on and like the whole American vibe, which is not what you do there, right? Uh, with rugby shorts, they're, they're pretty small uh, outfit, but uh Anyway, yeah, so that's kind of how that started. Uh, and, you know, just taking some chances, saying yes, when I think a lot of people probably would find a reason not to do something like that. And, uh, man, it was, you know, a 10-year snowball after that of just building that kind of momentum. Man, that's crazy. Like, a couple of touch points I want to touch on real quick sure. is, you know, you mentioned your, your height. And it's so interesting because I, I see a lot of um, athletes, especially in high school, they get down on themselves because they might be too small. They're not going to play at the next level. And so they're not patient enough. Uh, you never know when your body's going to grow. I always tell people, you know, I didn't hit my peak physical condition until I was about 22 or 23. Um, and people, like, I mean, in high school, you can't see that far. because like, oh, well, that's after college. I'll never be able to play. But I'm like, listen, there's, there's opportunities there. You just got to, your body sometimes does mature differently. Uh, so that's crazy. And it reminds me of Anthony Davis in the NBA, he was similar to what you were saying. He, he was six foot, um, what was he, sophomore, six foot, playing point guard. And all of a sudden now he's 6'10", 6'11", in the NBA as a, a power forward slash center. Uh, but the reason he's so good at what he does is it kind of reminds me what you said. He, he played small his whole life, so he knows how to handle the ball and he knows how to shoot the ball. That's why he's so dynamic as an individual in the basketball court. So you never know. That's right, Shane. And you know what? Um, a couple of points. You know, you, you got to focus on what's in your control as an athlete, as a, as a young kid growing up, what's in your control. You can't control your genetics. You know, you, you can control how you're showing up every day and how you're being a student of the game. And, you know, because I believe me, I've, I've seen a lot of guys that aren't particularly athletic, but they have such a high game IQ that they make it work. And so there's a lot of different workarounds there, man, that, that I would, that I would 
suggest to, to anybody listening that's a younger athlete. Perfect, dude. I mean, that's, that's a really good point, though. Control what you can control. You cannot control your genetics, but there are a lot of other things that you can. That's super, super important. And you tell, like, you briefly ran over this. Like, you just packed your bags and went to Australia. Okay, hold up. All right. <laughs> Not everybody does that. I like, talk about getting out of your comfort zone, right? I want to hear more about this. You, you go to Australia. What was the thought process there? Were you going with anyone else, or were you literally by yourself and said, hey, I'm going to take a new experience. I'm, I'm young. I want to learn about this stuff, and I'm going to go over here. Like, what was the whole, and had you ever been out of the country before, I guess is my question as well. I mean, I, I went, I think I went to like a family vacation in Jamaica when I was like 12 for a week or something like that. So, I mean, when you're in a resort, that doesn't count. Uh, you know, you get outside of the walls of a resort in, in a lot of countries, you start appreciating where you come from, you know, me in, in rural Idaho, a lot more. It really opens up your mind, but yeah. So I basically just tried to find the absolute cheapest ticket I could uh, online. And I, I, I was like, well, one way, I don't even know when I'm going to come back. So I'm just going to buy the super cheap one way ticket. I think I stopped off in Fiji for uh, uh, like four, maybe 36 hours and had nowhere to like no plans. And what's funny is I joke because Sydney is where I arrived, which is in New South Wales. And on the map, it's about two inches north to Brisbane. Uh, but it turns out that's the equivalent of like Florida to New York. Uh, and so I arrived in Sydney with no plan, but knowing that I needed to get to Queensland in, in, uh, in Brisbane. So that ended up being a, uh, you know, trains, planes, automobiles, just like whatever I could do, hitchhiking. I rented a car. Of course, then you're driving on the wrong side of the car and the wrong side of the road. I got a speeding ticket for like 600 uh, Australian dollars um, in 12 hours and being in country, oh <laughs> just gosh. complete madness. And I had no idea where I was going to be living. Uh, and I knew absolutely nobody in the country. Goodness gracious, man. So you just kind of went and you learn along the way, I guess. Like you're, you're like, okay, let's do this. Well, when, like what? Shout out to my mom too, Shane. Okay. Because she literally just listened to me and she drove me to the Salt Lake airport from from southern idaho and she said okay i love you like you know go figure it out basically and uh, you know having supportive parents that can that can be willing to let kids experience life uh, that's a big thing and and my mom was always incredibly supportive of everything that i did you know i as you say that like that's super super important but i cannot say for myself as a father I couldn't just drop my sons off and say, I don't know if I could right now. Maybe this is a life lesson for me, but like, it'd be hard for me. So props to her for real, because that's, Hey, yeah, I'm just going to go to Australia and I'm going to figure it out. Like, uh, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, that's crazy. That's really cool that you got to do that. So let's talk about, you know, you get there and you're, you're practicing with this team. You're, you're starting to play the sport a little bit more and you're relatively new to the sport still. Like you're still somewhat new as an athlete to the sport. Is that correct? Very new very new uh, very raw knew knew very little about the game in general to be honest and i was just i was just willing i guess i was excited and i was willing and so first game and and rugby is so big in in countries like australia the university of queensland had the premier league and then they had like the second string if you will third string fourth string that sort of stuff all the way down to, you know, age grade kids that are, you know, barely learning to walk and they're already carrying the ball. It's, it's pretty exciting as far as, uh, 
you know, what they have up uh, over there as a, a structure with, with the game. But so first game I played in, I, you know, I, I think it was like third grade uh, and I scored two tries and this English guy comes up to me. And now I want to tell the listeners, you've, you've got to know that there are so many people out there that meet you that want to see you succeed in life, whether that's in sports or otherwise. And, and you've got to be ready when those people pop into your life. Because like I told you about the gentleman that walked up to me, Joe, on my first game in Idaho, <clears throat> same thing happened there. English, an English guy, Carter Croft, he walked up to me and said, hey, great game. Where are you staying? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm actually living in a, in a, a youth hostel in the city and just paying per night. <clears throat> and he said, oh, you should come move in with me. And what's funny about that is that relationship that was secured, and he was a coach, he ended up moving to France uh, sometime after that. And I went back to finish school at University of Idaho after that whole thing wrapped up. And he contacted me out of the blue and said, hey, John, I'm coaching a men's club in, in the French Alps. Would you like to fly over and play for me? And that was one of those moments in life where I believe everybody, if they open themselves up to it, they will see them if they're looking for them and ready to jump. When I said, man, okay. Uh, and I didn't know him that well, to be fair, even though, you know, I did live over at his place for a while. Uh, you know, we were friendly, but certainly didn't know a whole lot. And I responded to his inquiry with an email about how will I get paid? You know, are there flights included? Where would my accommodation be? Is there jobs? What are passport, you know, visa, like all of these details. He responded back, Shane, with one sentence. And I specifically remember it. And I talked to him about it because he ended up coming to my wedding two years ago. It said, John, fly into Geneva. I'll collect you there. Geneva is not even in France, as you know, right? And I was like, you know, especially back then, you know, not, a, not being very worldly, I was like, Geneva, uh, what? And so that didn't give me a lot of confidence, but nonetheless, it was still a thing to say, okay, what is my cost benefit here? Right. What happens if I do it? What happens if I don't? And in life in general, what I look at is, run towards opportunity. Don't, don't run away from fear. Okay. Run towards opportunity. And I just saw this as an excellent opportunity and I can tell you unbelievable experience and, and absolutely paramount. If I wouldn't have said yes, then I would have never gotten to that professional league. Wow. See that? That's awesome, man. Like these are, this is cool, John, because you're taking chances in your life, you're, you're doing these things to open yourself up a little bit more and learn. And then obviously you build these relationships. You never know what one relationship is going to lead to. And this is one of those things where it did. And, and there are, if you open your, your mind and your heart and your eyes to these types of things, there are good people in the world. There are good people that want to see you succeed. Like you said, like it's not all negative as you know, some may think it is at times. Um, it's not, there are some really, really good people out there. In fact, I believe the majority are good people. You just have to open your eyes to them. So you're, how long did that, flashing back a little bit, how long did the Australia League last? How long were you living there for before you went back to U of I and then had the opportunity to go to France? Uh, so I was 10 months in Australia okay. uh, and unbelievable time. And then wrapped up there and came back to the university. And I had two semesters there, uh, finished, graduated, and then started a master's. Okay. My master's, uh, 
was go going to coincide with the Peace Corps. And I was uh, awarded, selected for an assignment in the Philippines for 27 months. Oh, wow. So I had just enough time to go over to France and to do this, uh, do this, uh, you know, club, basically club. And at that point in time, Shane, I was still just having fun. I loved the game. And I was, I was just wanting to see the world and to play a sport and have a, have a good time. And, and I took it very seriously, you know, because I ended up living in Chamonix, which is at the base of Mont Blanc in France, looking at these two glaciers, these amazing, you know, ski hills. And I never went skiing once because I was so committed to one, not getting injured <laughs> skiing, and two, just getting better at the game and really being a student. And in, in the French club league, uh, you know, it's, it's a very rough league and uh, very passionate uh, and very skilled players too. So, uh, you know, I, I'm talking, you know, 22 on 22 bench clearing brawls and just lots of wild things happening. And, and I had never seen that, you know, coming from, you know, University of Idaho, you know, you know, college kids think they're tough until you get into a man's game. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, uh, did that and I was playing one game and there was a gentleman that was on vacation from New Zealand and he caught my game and it turns out that he was affiliated with one of the rugby unions there, the Hawks Bay Rugby Union. And he came up to me afterwards and said, hey, great game, John. Um, have you ever thought about coming to New Zealand and, and kind of getting plugged into the system there and you know, really kind of taking it more serious? And I was like, no. And, you know, by the way, I had my whole life planned out doing environmental work, you know, Peace Corps, and then, you know, other organizations after that. That's really what I thought I was going to do. And I was going to be in the Philippines for two years directly after. And then, you know, the balls start rolling. And then I'm sitting at a, com a computer uh, internet cafe. And I'm posed with this task of deciding, do I continue on with this map that I've already laid out for the Peace Corps and, you know, my master's and, and everything after that, that I thought I'd be doing, or do I, you know, accept this opportunity to come down to Hawks Bay and, and, you know, get plugged into the development league there. Uh, and that was a hard decision, but my sister, uh, bless her heart. She said, John, you could do the Peace Corps and, and academics when you're 60. She ain't you wrong. Can't, you can't no. And I was like, oh, that kind of it's a simple idea, right? But at that point in time, you're like, oh, I guess you're right. And so, you know, I, I declined the Peace Corps and and shelved all of that and uh flew directly down from a season in France directly to the French uh, the, the New Zealand season and got plugged in there. And and in a year, I think I played like 50 plus games because I was playing midweek games sometimes and, and going back to back seasons. So my, my sports IQ in rugby was just going hockey stick at that point in time. It was, it was amazing. Man, this, this rural, rural Idaho kid, right? Like Jerome, for anybody who's listening, that's not from Idaho, which I have a lot of listeners not from here. I just, I don't know how to explain it, but Jerome's small. Like you, you even said like back then 6,000 people, it's like it's farm town, it's small. It's like, that's what it is. It's, it's small town. To now, I mean, you went to U of I, you know, up, up in northern Idaho, which in my opinion is actually really small too. I mean, like that city's tiny, it's a college town. And then, <laughs> but then you're, you're traveling all over the world all of a sudden. You're in Australia, you're in France, you're in New Zealand now. I mean, the sport has taken you there. That's one thing I always tell people, John, is like sports can take you there if you take the opportunities. I mean, sports can give you a lot of experiences that you may not have had elsewhere. I mean, it's just 
it's one of those things, but you also had to take advantage of those opportunities as they were presented to you. And the other story that like you've met another guy that was randomly there in France and, and, and got you connected there to the, the New Zealand game. So it's like all these connections, you never know who you're going to meet and what's going to happen, but you all, you just have to consistently do what your thing. And then those, those opportunities will present themselves, but you have to take advantage of them, which you did. Now you go down to New Zealand and play 50 games, 50 plus games. I want to talk about like, so you're playing over there. When did you ever have like an idea of like playing the sport in the, the States or did you always just want to play the sport overseas since it wasn't as big back here in the U S uh, I, I don't think I even had the plan. I was just, I was playing and, and I was taking opportunities. And, you know, going back to Australia, I was able to go to a USA versus Scotland test match. So here I am, you know, young kid, 2003, really just having fun. Never even, not even thinking that, hey, that could be an opportunity for me. Because, I mean, the, the delta between where I was and World Cup level rugby was so huge because I literally had just heard the word rugby when I was in Australia and then, you know, fast forward to being in New Zealand. And then all of a sudden I'm in training with guys at a club team or, you know, in the, in the Hawks Bay uh, side, you know, for the development camp where, you know, they're legitimately playing professional rugby, super 15 rugby, all blacks. Like they're just around me all the time. And if, you know, for those of you that don't know who the all blacks are, I would just uh, YouTube search, <laughs> all blacks and 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 you'll get educated very quickly uh in new zealand's national team and uh so that that was just an incredible environment for me uh, absolutely ground and, and i credit my time in new zealand specifically as the the foundation and launching pad for me to to go professional because what happened was is a uh, one of the local men's clubs and it was the only rural farm team and the whole competition, everybody else was, all the other sides were uh, city teams. And I loved that too, because I arrived and they were like, hey, you know, the, the, the head coach brought a half of a lamb that he just butchered for me, <laughs> fresh, you know, here, here you go. Uh, and, you know, hey, do you want to come out to the, to the sheep station? You know, you want to you work on the farm? You know, and they just, this whole community, Waipukarau, New Zealand and Central Hawks Bay, they just, um, you know, welcome me with like family immediately. Uh, you know, they say Fano and, uh, I felt that the whole time and it, it was really amazing because, you know, they gave me, uh, uh, an award of, you know, most improved player. And they replayed my first game when I arrived to when I actually left. And it was embarrassing to see where I was, uh, you know, versus, where you know where I had then become and right then at that point in time to answer your question Shane about professionalism I started to get inquiries from the U.S. and and that's where I was like oh hang on like there might be something here you know and and that really kind of focused me in on what exactly I had I had this opportunity and so sure enough the U.S. requested that I come to um, you know the Chula Vista Olympic training facility in San Diego and and then also participate in kind of a regional uh, game so the head coaches could get a look at everybody and you know I, and again Kevin Battle uh, in Santa Barbara at the Santa Barbara Rugby Academy reached out to me never knew him never heard of him and he said hey you can stay with me at my house if you want to come and train in California and you know get a look with the coaches 
And so, you know, I take a flight, take a bus, get off on the, you know, the bus platform at Santa Barbara and there's Kevin waiting there, you know, big smile, big hug. And we've been, you know, dear friends ever since. And that's another guy that, that didn't have to open a door, but he did. And I try to do that for other people now, just as a principle in my life is I'm always willing to give people time and to open a, open a door for them. I don't, I don't give handouts per se, but I give hand ups all the time because I, I want to help people that are interested in getting better with whatever that is. I love that, man. Like now you give back, you've been, you know, had those opportunities presented to you. Now you, you present some of those opportunities you give back. I think it's super cool. And, you know, I want to make sure we touch base on your world cup experience. Now, like it's crazy to hear your story, John, from the very beginning, from someone who never had played and never even heard of the word rugby. You're, you took a chance at U of I cause you, you're stir crazy. That's kind of like what you're talking about. You're like, I just need to get some activity. And all of a sudden this journey has taken you to the next level, uh, all these cool opportunities. And then we, we want to talk about the world cup, which is a huge, obviously, arguably the biggest event for, for rugby. And, you know, let's talk about the, the experience, before we have to wrap up the interview, because this is super important, uh, the 2007 World Cup as well as the 2011 World Cup for rugby. But I want to talk about that 2007 thing because before we started recording, uh, you referenced a few things about the like how you even got to the 2007 World Cup and what opportunities those presented. So can you touch base on that for us? You, you bet. So 2007 World Cup, you know, I, I had just come off of uh, you know all of that experience in New Zealand. And then, uh, you know, training in in Australia, in in America, and doing all these things to prepare because I did see 2006-7, you know, coming, and I said, you know, maybe, maybe that's an opportunity. <clears throat> I might be going to the World Cup. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, uh, you know, I just kept my head down and kept working, but I realized that there were four other guys, you know, that were stacked that had already been to World Cup ups they and and they were older you know more experienced you know older older bulls for sure and so you know i i just competed hard and put everything out on the table that was in my control right and you know peter thorburn the head coach at the time he said john you know i'm not taking you to the world cup you you've been amazing you've done a lot of impressive things and you've grown a lot uh but I, you know just be ready and you're going to get your shot and that really fueled me hard that, that right there, that feeling of, and I'm getting goosebumps right now, of not being where I wanted to be, where somebody else said, not right now. You know, that, that, that was a huge driver for me. And I said, okay, uh, you know, 2011, that's, that's where it's going to be. And funny enough, I also, I also wanted to be prepared because doors open sometimes and you need to be prepared for them in life. And so I stayed on the East Coast of the U.S. because the World Cup was in France. That was the host, host country. And sure enough, three in the morning, you know, staying at, at my friend Mark's place, I got a call from Peter. He said, you know, he's, he's from New Zealand. He's like, mate, you're coming to the World Cup. Get to the airport. So I, you know, I went to the airport, flew there, and, you know, just tried to add value however I could. Uh, while I was there and it was an amazing experience and I got to see some of you know some of the guys that I watched as a kid in 2003 I was now teammates with in the 2007 World Cup Crazy, uh, dude. So four, year, so four cool. years later it was wild it was wild and and then I met I met a guy that was um, you know helping me out with getting uh, some notoriety with clubs you know because clubs were actively looking for for guys and so I was able to get an agent 
able to actually get a contract after the World Cup um, in the French top 14 league. And so then things started to get really interesting at that point in time because, you know, you're just so excited to get a pair of rugby shorts, you know, when I'm, when I'm rocking up to um, University of Queensland in basketball shorts and, and whatnot. And then all of a sudden you have somebody that's like, here, you know, here's your car, here's your, you know, here's your contract, you know, here's your, this is what we're going to be paying you. Here are your flights. Here's all of your kit. Uh, oh, you want this? You know, let me get you some new shoes. Like that sort of stuff. That's, it's, it's, that's a fun part of it. No doubt. Especially when you, you didn't have anything for a while, you know, you, you, you had to search to actually find rugby boots at that point in time. Uh, oh, I mean, so, it's because you worked hard. You worked really hard. Like you did, you took advantage of these opportunities. It's not like it just got presented to you. You had to take advantage of them and then no. things come. Like if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. That's the whole like Carmelo Anthony <laughs> saying too, like stay ready. You ain't got to get ready for when the opportunity presents itself, you're ready to go. And you did that. Like, I think that's so I, cool. You're so right, Shane, and, and I, we touched on it before we started, and I, I got to say this, you know, there's this culture of the hashtag must be nice, right? Yeah. You've heard of it, you know. Yeah, it is nice. It is nice, but you know why it's nice is because you had to work so hard to get it, and so you appreciate it because, again, I wasn't, I didn't, I never had the rugby IQ that some people do, and I was not the biggest, the fastest, the strongest. I, I just didn't, I didn't have what a lot of people do. But what I do have <clears throat> is the ability to be persistent and consistent over long periods of time to make sure that it works out. I love that, man. To wrap this up, John, I, I mean, I could talk for hours with you just hearing your stories now. I've, and for the listeners, like this is the first time I'm meeting John as well. This is why I love the show is it gives me an opportunity to meet people like you. And I, I think it's so awesome. I, I want to know like, what was your, if you could put it in the top three Tell us your top three favorite memories of rugby. Was it the 2007 opportunity? Was it Queensland? Was it New Zealand? Was it the 2011 World Cup? Like, what was your top three favorite memories as a uh, rugby player, whether it be, you know, as an amateur coming up or as a professional? Sure. Uh, top three memories, you know, I would say, you know, just, just being at the University of Idaho and on a weekend game and having having the crowd come out you know and you know we sometimes we get you know 100 or, or more people out of the game and and there's just something really pure and simple about that even though you know we, we were trying hard but really didn't know what we were doing <laughs> uh and you know because I, I started learning off of a vhs tape you know and there's some listeners that probably don't even know what that is right <laughs> i was watching old games old games before yeah, I mean, super old school games. And so that was, that was a fun memory for me. Just, just any, any given weekend, you know, on the, on the weekend, just playing, playing a game and, and you had your mouth guard and a ball and, you know, sometimes you didn't have the right kit. You didn't have the right shirts and, you know, jerseys, you know, just trying to make it all work. You know, that sort of grassroots element was really cool. Uh, next memory is, you know, my time in New Zealand. Um, you know, that, that, the white pukarau, that, that, that's a special place in my heart because that, that community and actually, you know, one of the guys, uh, that I, I lived with a guy, he ended up passing away in a tragic accident. And one of my missions is to get uh, a real estate portfolio to a point where, uh, the cash flow from those investments is paying for, uh, scholarships for these rural kids to go to 
high performance rugby camps, uh, you know, for, for Robbie and in, in his memory. Uh, and I'm excited about that. And that's a big driver for me. Uh, and then the last memory, a 2011 World Cup going back to New Zealand because that was the host country. It was, it was kind of strange for me because in, in some ways that's where it started for me. And then 2011 comes up and it's my time. You know, um, I had been the captain of the U.S. team. I had, you know, played in, in two professional leagues in Europe, the English Premiership and the French Top 14. And then this was my moment. You know, I'm coming back home, you know, you know to my, my rugby roots. And it was my time to shine. And, and so here we are, 2011, September 11th. And the New York firefighters and police department made us a video that we watched before we went out against Ireland on September 11th. And it was a completely packed stadium and there was a ton of American flags and it was just a special moment. And we played Ireland in a really, really hard and tough match. And you know, that, that you can't replace that, especially with the guys that you're with. And, and that's what you're left with is, is the guys, the relationships, the camaraderie after that's all, after the whistle blows, that's all that there is. That's so cool, man. One day I'll have to chat with you about that in more detail too. Cause that's, I, that I can only imagine, especially from a player's perspective, after your whole journey, when you just mentioned it almost comes full circle to New Zealand and, and everything else I went into with the intricacies with the video from, from the fire department, all that stuff. Like, wow. Like I can, I'm getting chills and I wasn't even there. Obviously that's not, but it's like, I can only imagine. So one of these days you and I might have to chat it up just to kind of get memories from you, man. Cause that's super, super cool. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it again for sure. Um, and yeah, there's, there's a lot of stories and, and, uh, you know, anything that I can share that's valuable and, and, uh, you know, breed some thought for people or, or maybe they, they do something that they didn't, they didn't think that they would, you know, whatever that is, uh, you know, if my story is helpful, I'm, I'm always happy to share. Oh man. I think yeah, this is definitely going to be a, a well-received interview. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, it's John Vandergeese and former professional rugby player. And uh, as you're listening, he had quite the journey. So again, remember the lessons that he taught you. Take advantage of opportunities. Sometimes you got to get outside your comfort zone. He had a supportive mom <laughs> who let him go to Australia. He took advantage of those opportunities. He took chances and uh, you saw where it took him. So John, I just want to say one more time, thank you for joining the show. Shane, thank you. And if I could say one thing to listeners, uh, take action now because you have less time than you think you do. Powerful, man. You guys heard it. Heard it from the man himself. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. Check in with us next week. We'll come with you another to come with, at you with another interview. But uh, make sure to remember what John told you today. We'll talk to you guys next week. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review, it would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.